Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. Family, we're going to switch the order of it a little bit. I know usually I pray first, but because I'm going to we'll read together a scripture before we begin, we're going to go ahead and do our Bible confession first. So if you would, let's say this Bible confession together. Ready? Let's go. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Loved ones, together, let's read Romans chapter 8, verse 1, King James Version. Ready? Let's go. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Let's pray. God, I thank you for each and every person here. We never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to be life into each and every person. I also pray that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today that they can use and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this message and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Family, you know, here's the next image. We are talking about the re-engage category for our vision. And the re-engage category and its associated goal is something that we've talked about over and over. So we're not going to necessarily read that today. But I am going to begin the message today, you know, in a rather probably unexpected place and more like with an unexpected object, an orange, like the fruit that I'm holding in my hand. The Bible tells us clearly that we should avoid wrong people. Try to stay away from those folks. In the New Testament, Jesus calls them bad trees. Kind of accompanying those bad trees, they come with associated, what, <laughs> bad fruit. And that fruit that is, as Jesus says, the real indicator as to whether or not that tree is a good tree or a bad tree. To put it in more relatable terms, a person's fruit, what they say, how they say it, how they treat people, what they do, a person's fruit, that really reveals whether or not the person is a good person or an individual who has, you know, ungodly ways and motives. This is how Jesus said that in Matthew. 
Matthew chapter 7, verse, verses 15 through 19 in the voice. Jesus is talking. He says, along the way, watch out for false prophets. They will come to you in sheep's clothing, but underneath that quaint and innocent wool, they are hungry wolves. But you will recognize them by their fruits. You don't find sweet, delicious grapes growing on thorny bushes, do you? You don't find delectable figs growing in the midst of prickly thistles. People and their lives are like trees. Good trees bear beautiful, tasty fruit, but bad trees bear ugly, bitter fruit. A good tree cannot bear ugly, bitter fruit, nor can a bad tree, nor can a bad tree bear fruit that is beautiful and tasty. And that and what happens to the rotten trees? They are cut down. They are used for firewood. Now, verse 20, loved ones, here we go. Jesus ends this way. When a prophet comes to you and preaches this or that, look for his fruits, sweet or sour, rotten or ripe. That verse 20 in the Amplified Classic says this, therefore, you will fully know them by their fruits. The easy to read version says, you will know these false people by what they do. Pay close attention to the voice. You see, go back up to the, to the next one, sir. You see how it says sweet or sour? rotten or ripe? At first glance, it could be easy to assume that those are talking about the exact same thing, but they're not. When you think about sweet and sour versus rotten or ripe, rotten or ripe is something you can identify visually. I can see rotten. Rotten is something I can perceive with my eyes. But sweet and sour, I can't see sweet. I can't see sour. I got to experience sweet. I got to experience sour. Jesus says, you will know these bad people by their bad fruit. But hey, family. It's not always that you are able to see the bad. Sometimes you learn the bad by experience. Back to this orange I'm holding in my hand. You all know, at least most of you know, for those of you who don't, you're getting ready to find out. I grew up in rural Florida, a country boy in the woods, in the sticks. I'm talking about a place where every pathway was a dirt road. You called it road, but it wasn't, no, it wasn't blacktop. It was God's earth. Whether it was something you drove your car on, whether you rode your bicycle on it, whether you walked to, to your auntie house, you was on dirt and not always wearing shoes. I come from the country, a place where all animals, everybody say all animals, all lived outside. Animals. 
if you had a dog or a cat, that rascal lived outside. Didn't live under your roof. Didn't wear sweaters and shoes and eyeglasses. It was a dog or a cat. It behind belonged outside. And the, and the, the, the dog had purpose. You better defend this house. Before, before you got within 50 yards of my house, I should hear something. We had no ring doorbell. We had Fido in the backyard. And we would, we would, we would chain them up during the day and let him loose at night. So you better honk the horn or he better know you. Otherwise, you better go, don't be getting out in my, I, ain't, I don't need no light on in, the, in my yard in the middle of the night. You can come over and get some of the doggy heat if you want some, some. But I grew up with all animals, they, they, they belonged outside. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't no feed, feed the dog. It, we, we had, and the cat, the cat was the same way. The cat was outside too, where you gonna sleep, in the tree, under the house. I don't care where you sleep, you ain't sleeping here with me. And it wasn't no, you know, we gonna feed the dog some blue buffalo. Get a cat, cat some, dog some fancy feast, some Purina. It wasn't none of that. You know what they ate? They ate what we ate. If we had spaghetti and meatballs, you know what they had that day? Spaghetti and meatballs. We had grits and sausage, you know what they had? Grits and sausage. If we had roast and gravy, what they had? Roast and gravy. They ate what we ate. There was a big silver pot that they put next to the garbage can up on a pedestal, and everybody who was finished with their plate, they scrapped their macaroni, their coleslaw, their salad, their fruit, all that thing went in there, and then at the end of the day, what we would do is take that out there and dump it in the dog bowl, and that's what they ate. If for some reason it was like Thanksgiving, it was just too much, we scraped that bad boy, put a top on it, put it in the refrigerator, and the next day, you know what they had? Boom, we dumped that bad boy right up in there. And they was happy and healthy, too. I bet they were. My dog was happy and healthy. But that's what they ate. Because I, I grew up, I grew up in, in the country, you see. I grew up in a place where, you know, central air and heat was just a boy's dream. We, we didn't have that kind of stuff. It was stuff that, you know, the other people had. That, that meant what? That meant the temperature on the outside was either the same, worse, or very close to the temperature on the outside. In the summer, you was in the house, but you was sweating. Yeah, you had the fan blowing in your face, the big box fan, blowing so hard, you gotta turn the TV up because you can't, you can't hear it. But you know what? It was sweating in the summertime, and in the few instances that it got cold, guess what? You were in the house shivering because if it's cold outside, it's cold on the inside. Now, my daddy did have the small space heater, which, by the way, we used to burn kerosene in the house. Now they won't let you do that, talking about it's unsafe. Listen, we breathed that stuff all my life. Now, it may explain some things about me, but <laughs> listen, all I'm saying is my daddy would bring that kerosene heater, we'd fire that boy up, my mom put a pot of beans on the top, 
And so we get warm and they be cooking at the same time. And we breathing in those fumes. Today, they would lock my parents up for letting us be in there like that. But that's what we did. It was the, it was the country. But the funny thing about the country also is it wasn't just some unique experiences. There were certain things that we were able to observe. One of the things that we were able to observe is this. There's a funny thing about trees. You can have two trees that produce similar looking fruit. As a matter of fact, you can have two trees that look darn near the same and produce fruit that's similar, however it's different. Growing up, there used to be orange trees as far as the eye could see. We walked to somebody's house and it could be I don't know how, so many acres of orange groves, then it opens up into woods, and the, but it was just woods and orange groves, woods and orange groves. And there was nothing like running around, playing with my friends on the bicycle, and then on the way home, going into somebody's yard, most likely, uh, where we weren't supposed to be, but you get one of those oranges off that tree, and you would enjoy that delicious, sweet orange all the way home. And it's not like we were rookies at it. You know, if you was a pro, you didn't peel the orange. You take your thumbnail and you drive it through where the stem was and you bust that boy open in half and peel that joker back and just eat that orange juice coming down your elbow and everything. But that's how we did it. It was so sweet and so delicious every single time. All those trees, though, did not produce sweet fruit. There were also sour orange trees. And the sour orange trees produce, guess what? Sour orange. To the untrained eye, though, Thinking about somebody who may come from out of town, maybe one of your relatives come from up north, you know, where they say pop instead of soda. <laughs> Them kind of people. <laughs> what happens is, to the untrained eye, these look the same. And so the untrained person runs up to a tree and pulls the orange, expecting for it to be sweet. Bust it open just like regular. They probably peel it, but you get what I'm saying. It's not until they what? Taste it. That they know that this bad boy is different. That it's a sour orange, not a sweet one. Just before I really make the point and state it plainly, let's look at another comparison that's along the same lines. 
Give me my next image, please, sir. Loved ones, sugar and salt. I'm holding two shakers. One has sugar, one has salt. From a distance, they probably look the same. You can't tell, it looked like just white, white stuff in the shaker. If you were to put these, if I took a, a, a table and just shook two piles of these things in the table, and I let somebody who was unfamiliar with salt and sugar, say like a, a child, come up, they couldn't tell the difference. They wouldn't know salt from sugar. That is until they what? Until they taste it. You say, but hey, as an adult, you know, you cook and you, you handle this stuff all the time. Guess what? If you look close enough, you can pick up the difference. And that's true. However, those differences, those clues, they fade when you mix them with water. I have here two clear cups. I'm going to put a little water in the one to the left and a little water to the one to the right. If I put moderate amounts of each one in their respective cups, so one of these has sugar, one of these has salt, and I stir it, and I stir it, and I stir it, and I stir it until they dissolve. What I get, even to the trained eye, say trained eye. Trained mm. Even to the trained eye, what I get are two cups of water that look the same. Even if you visually know the difference, once they get in this water, they look the same. So someone who is desiring to drink is just as likely to pick up the sweet water as the sour one. They don't know which is which until they what? Mm. Until they taste it. You know, family, many of us make mistakes in life. And those mistakes are things that we carry with us because what? Well, when that person showed up, they looked like good water. 
they looked like it was nothing wrong. So you took a sip. And taking the sip, though, it wasn't until that stuff hit your taste buds that you realized they were salty water. You did it. You didn't intend to, but you made a mistake. When that person came your way, they looked like good fruit. When that person crossed your path, they looked like a sweet orange. So what did you do? You took a bite. You didn't set out to do anything wrong. You didn't set out to do anything that altered anything as far as the steps that you were taking in life. You didn't set out to do that. They look like good fruit. And you didn't even know that they were sour or bitter fruit until you what? Until you tasted it. You didn't know. And to this day, you reflect on when you drank that bitter water or when you ate that bitter fruit or when you tasted that sour fruit and you kick yourself for being so gullible. How could I have been so stupid? How could I let that happen? How could I have taken that sip? How could I have taken that bite? Well, family, I wouldn't jump so quickly into considering yourself stupid. Because guess what? Sometimes the wrong tree can have fruit that looks good. Sometimes the fruit on the wrong tree don't look bad. We're well, well familiar with what God instructed Adam and Eve in regard to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God told them, they, God said, listen, you can eat of any of these trees around here, but this one, don't eat of it. Don't do it. We know the story that Eve ate, serpent talked to, motivated, nudged. You know, she'd probably been watching the tree anyway, Adam watching it too. But it doesn't matter. The point is, that's the wrong tree. Everybody say wrong tree. That's the wrong tree to eat from. Look at this Genesis 3 verse in the voice. ERV, excuse me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 says this, the woman could see that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked what? So good to eat. She also liked the idea that it would make her wise. So she took some of the fruit from the tree and ate it. Her husband was there with her. So she gave him some of the fruit and he ate it. In context, we always want to make sure we keep the context. 
in context, if you read Genesis 3 in context, it's less about the tree being a bad tree and more about being obedient to God. But for us, the point that I want to make is this. The fruit of that wrong tree looked so good. It looked good. Why did they eat it? If the fruit was rotten looking, no matter what she liked about the idea of eating it, she wouldn't have eaten it. If it had, excuse the, the, the visual, but if it had flies and maggots buzzing around it, she wouldn't have eaten it. She put fruit to mouth because that fruit looked so good to eat. Family, what have we been talking about? We've been talking about salt and sugar and sweet oranges and sour oranges. And all that conversation, I don't want you to miss the broader contact text of what we're saying. When I say to you salty water or I say bitter or sour fruit, I am talking about any mistake or error that you can make in your life. Things that you did, you didn't intend to do it, but at the time, you made your decision to do what you did, to say what you said. You made that decision not even contemplating that this is bad fruit because at the time, it didn't look so. Sometimes... The wrong tree can show you fruit that looks so right. As a matter of fact, it looks so right that it feels right to eat. Hey, once again, you're human. You're imperfect. As much as you examine and you try to review and you try to keep from eating that fruit, from drinking that salty water, guess what? Sometimes you just don't detect it. Sometimes you just don't have the, the foresight to explore it. When you eat or you drink, of that sour water or that sour fruit, and you look as a believer at what you did, you kick yourself. You kick yourself over and over and over and over again. And oh man, that thing claws back from your past to haunt you in your present. That mistake that error, and don't let it be something that you just did one time. You think that you're haunted by mistakes. What if it's a mistake, singular? It's not like you ate the fruit, tasted it was bitter, and said, bump it, I'm going to eat some more fruit. 
and you went and kept eating. You kept drinking the water. It's soft. No, 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 no. You want to talk about something haunting you. What if you only ate of that bad fruit one time? One time. You are sitting there and you are saying to yourself, my God, there has got to be some injustice here. I only ate one time. But no matter, no matter how unjust or unfair that you think that it is, what Adam and Eve, their life, their experience, what that tells us is that for some mistakes, it only takes one taste of that bad fruit to change and alter the traje trajectory of your life going forward. For some mistakes, it only takes one taste. And you say to yourself, but that just doesn't seem fair. That just seems unjust. I don't disagree with you that you should feel or that you can feel that way. I felt that way. But the reality is, for some mistakes, it only takes one taste. It only takes one time. One time. One time. You only broke the law one time. That thing that got you in that position, you only broke the law one time. Good upbringing. I was a good boy. I was a good girl. I was a good man. I was a good woman. I only did that one time. I only had sex with her one time. It was only one time. But from that one time, a ripple effect. I only had sex with him one time. Just one time. I only took that drug one time. I only drank that drink one time. I only released those words out of my mouth one time. All those years, I never said anything like that. But that one time, I only said it one time. I only said it one time. I wish I never met you. I only said it one time. I wish I never married you. I only said it, I only said it one time. I wish I never agreed to help you. I only, I only said it, I only said it one time. I never want to see your face again. I only said it one time. One time, one bite. Some things only take one time.
And now if you think that one time the weight of that single mistake, if you think that one time haunts somebody, what about people that have mistakes? They have more than a one time. Their past is riddled with things they wish they had never said, they wish they had never done, people they wish they never had trusted. What if, what if their life is riddled with those things? They have a weight. They're carrying a weight. And when I say weight, what do I mean? I mean they're carrying self-condemnation. Loved ones, though, I know we've said this before, but the Almighty wants us to drive it home today. If that's you, notice, you got to forgive yourself. Because when you made that mistake, when you ate that bad fruit, doggone it, at the time you were looking at it, that bad fruit didn't look bad. You didn't do it intentionally, not with the intention that it would have the ripple effect that it had. I'm not saying you weren't conscious of it, but nobody in their right mind does anything to put their heart in the position that your heart is in if you're feeling self-condemned. You have to forgive yourself. Forgive myself for what? Forgive yourself because you didn't know any better. Forgive yourself because you didn't know any other way to handle it back then. Forgive yourself because you did what you did because you didn't, you didn't know any other way out. You knew no other way to handle it but to handle it like you did. At the time, you didn't know who to turn to. Oh, you knew you needed help. You knew you needed advice, but you didn't know who to turn to. So maybe the advice you got was from a bad tree. But even the advice that you got from a bad tree, in your perception at the time, their fruit did not look bad. It's not always that you can look at a fruit and see that it's rotten. Sometimes, as much as we try to avoid it, you get to know that something is rotten, that the tree is bad, after you experience it, being its fruit. You have to forgive yourself. Whatever you did, whatever you said, whatever happened, guess what? That was then. This is now. You're not the person you were back then. 
you're better now. You're wiser now. You're smarter now. You're not that youngin' that you were back then. You've matured some now. That was then. This is now. Let it go. Forgive yourself. It happened. Should it have happened? Listen, I wish it hadn't happened, potentially, because who knows, maybe it made you who you are. But besides that, how you handle it, how you did it, how you got your way out of it, that was then. This is now. Forgive yourself. It's not until you forgive yourself that you can move forward. I don't think anybody in here has ever walked through this earth perfectly without experiencing that sense of, dang, I shouldn't have done that. It felt right at the time, but I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have done that. It felt good to say, but ugh, I shouldn't have said that. And you kick yourself. I kick myself. When the reality is, if I had two fruits in my hand, one sweet and one sour, I still wouldn't have been able to tell until I experienced it. I'm going to give you two quick examples of how, when I say experiencing that bad fruit, the examples that I'm going to share are ones that should be relatable to each and every one of us in regards to the things that you did because you were the person you were back then. You had, guess what? You had the associates that you had back then. You grew up in the neighborhood that you did back then. You were dealing with sh stuff. Yeah, sh stuff. Some shiitake back then. But the end goal, loved ones, is that when you exit this place today, you are focused on, I'm going to forgive me. Now, King Solomon. King Solomon, you know, he super wise, but ultimately he passes away. And his son, Rehoboam, is set to be king. Notice this. First Kings, verse 12, first Kings chapter 12, verses 1 through 7, and the easy to read. Some of the texts, for those who aren't aware, when you ever see, we, when we display scripture and some of the text is really, really tiny, we're not really reading that. But you have chapter, verse, book for your notes if you want to take you out some knife and fork and dig in and get the rest of it. We're starting midway through the beginning-ish. It says, the people said 
to Rehoboam. Now, here they go. The people have come because they're saying, listen, we understand you next in line to be king, and we're here willing to serve you as king. But they got something they want to tell them because before you, it was your daddy, and your daddy, in our opinion, didn't always treat us the way we wanted to be treated. So here we go. The people said to Rehoboam, your father forced us to work very hard. Now make it easier for us. Stop the heavy work that your father forced us to do, and we will serve you. Okay? Rehoboam answered, come back in three days, and I'll answer you. So the people left. There were some older men who had helped Solomon make decisions. Pause. The Bible says that there is no one who has ever or ever will be as wise as Solomon. So if you were on Solomon's council team, you had to be wise yourself. Rehoboam has the opportunity to get some insight from people who are wise, that he has some opportunity here to get some wise counsel. Many of us have gone through life that way. Oh, we've had some opportunity to take some wise counsel. I'm not going to even give you no example. Like your mom said, don't, don't marry him. Daddy said, leave that girl alone. But I said, I won't give you no example. But you get where this example could go. Wise counsel. Wise counsel, stay in school. Wise counsel. Wise counsel. He has the opportunity to get wise counsel. But let's, let's, let's check this out. There were some older men who had helped Solomon make decisions when he was alive. Well, helped Solomon make decisions when he was alive. So King Rehoboam asked these men, what he should do. He said, how do you think I should answer the people? Now, we're going to pause here on verse 7. It's, he says this. They say this. If you are like a servant to them today, they will surely serve you. Excuse me. Let me start over. Thank you for correcting me. They answered, if you are like a servant to them today, they will sincerely serve you. If you speak kindly to them, they will always work for you. Wise counsel. These people have come with a request. If you show them that you really care for them, if you speak kindly to them, if you kind of hold your arms out and kumbaya and, and just kind of do some things as a leader that is going to allow them to say, this is somebody I can get behind, they will serve you, I'm going to put in there, for life. Wise counsel. Somebody in your upbringing said, if you do X, Y, Z, I think this is the path you're on. If you stop doing X, Y, Z, I think this is the path you can avoid. Wise counsel. This man has wise counsel. He grew up seeing his daddy being the wisest man to ever live. He know these people. But what does he do? <laughs> Give me verse 8, sir. In the easy to read and the voice. Easy to read says, 
But Rehoboam did not listen to the advice from the older men. He asked the young men who were his friends. I like the way the voice put it. Going to give us a little, a, little, a little kindling to talk about something. But Rehoboam ignored the advice of the elders. Anybody ever ignored, ignored, ignored wise advice? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He ignored why, the, the advice of his elders. Instead, he went to consult his childhood friends, the young men whom he had grown up with and who served him. Now, we all have been here. You get wise advice, but instead of taking the wise advice, you take the advice of the people that you have always known. How does that tie in, though? Because you've always known them. You don't have any kind of perception that they could possibly be a bad tree, that they could possibly be giving you bad fruit, bitter, salty water. You grew up with them. So the comfort and the relationship lulls you to sleep into just accepting their advice as right even though you got wise counsel. And in some cases, the wise counsel can be from very, 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 in this case, good trees. Your parents could be telling you something over and over, and, and they raised you. They always been good to you. But them people that you run around with on the block, they've known you a long time too. And that stuff that they had you doing that your parents don't know about when you're out in the middle of the night or in the daytime, you're supposed to be somewhere, you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to be in school, you skip school, all that kind of stuff. They build a relationship, they're bad trees, and what happens? Those bad trees give you advice, but you trust their advice. They're your childhood friends. They're your best friend you always had. This is what the young men told him to do. Hit me with it, sir. So let's puddle jump here. This is 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 19 through 14. So Rehoboam asked them, basically he said, here's what they asked me, what do you think I should do? What should be my response? Verse 10, then the young men who grew up with him, answered. They said, so you should tell them, my little finger is stronger than my father's whole body. In other words, if you were to read it, you think, tell them, you think my daddy was hard on you. I'm going to be so hard on you, it's going to make what my daddy did seem light. You think my daddy whipped you, I'm going to whip you doubly hard. I'm going to push you doubly hard. You tell them that. Hey, listen, because you finna be the king. You're going to be the man. They need to serve you. You need to show your power, all this testosterone. Just, just, just pump it through their veins. Forget the wise counsel. Oh, this is what you need to do. Tell them this. Tell them. If, hey, if I was you. Now, they don't have to live through the error. How many times has someone giving you bad fruit with, the, with that funky little lead in, if I was you. Yeah. 
if I was you. But you know what? They're not you. They're not the ones that's going to be in divorce court. You are. They're not the ones who are going to have to be getting a GED. You are. They're not the ones going to be working in the middle of the night at the quickie mart earning minimum wage. You are. If I was you. But you're not me. If I was you. They're not the ones whose family got to struggle now because of what you did listening to day bad counsel. That's what they're telling him. You finna, you, mama, you finna be the king, of course, and they, and they back in their mind, we coming up too. You know, we finna come up too. When my boy come up, so it's self-serving too. The Bible don't say that, but I believe, so. I know enough people to know. If I can get you to be president, I might can be in the president cabinet. So we all coming up, my brother. Listen, you should tell them, my little finger is stronger than my father's whole body. And this nut said it. <laughs> what happened? Give my next one, sir. First Kings chapter 12, this time verses 15 through 19. First 15, easy to read. So the king did not do what the people wanted. They said, make it light on us. We'll serve you. He didn't do that. After he spewed out his stuff, verse 16, the Israelites saw that the new king refused to listen to them. So they said to him, now they don't have this word in here, but this, what they're really saying is, oh, it is, oh, what you're saying is we ain't part of your family. That's, that's what, it, what it reads is, we are not part of David's family, are we, question mark. We don't get any of Jesse's land, do we, question mark. So the people of Israel said, let's go home and let David's son rule his own people. So the people, so the Israelites were home. So what they're saying is, he gave them the answer. Listen, you're going to do what I tell you to do. I don't consider you family. I'm the man now. You do it. And they're and they like, oh, oh, this is how we going to do this. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. You're going to just pump me like that, huh? I'm coming up here, me, my family, my children, got little Kwee Kwee, got everybody. We're going to serve you for life. And what you're saying is, oh, you're going to just dog me out. I'm supposed to take that? Oh, you don't know me. I'm from the south side, bro. We don't do this like that. You know, we out of here. That's what they're saying. Oh, what you're trying to tell me is we ain't part of your family. What you're trying to tell me is this land that we standing on, oh, we ain't got no parts in this land. So... All of us, all your help, all these people that were going to serve you uh, uh, sincerely, all these people, we going home. And they went home. Verse 19. So Israel rebelled against the family of David, and this is how things are even today. One time, he made a stupid mistake. One time. Now, if you read it carefully, the Bible says this is all part of God's plan. God, God's working on something. But as far as his decision making, one time. How many of us or have you ever ignored wise counsel? And because you ignored wise counsel, you made a mistake, you made an error, and that thing tries to continually haunt you. But guess what? Forgive yourself. 
He made the decision that he made based on people he thought he could trust. You made the decision that you made based on who you were then. Family, that was then. This is now. You shouldn't have eaten the fruit, but you did. You shouldn't have drank the water, but you did. But I guarantee you, you didn't set out by drinking that salty water or, drinking, or eating that sour fruit. You didn't set out for it to have the ramifications that it did. Forgive yourself. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One more. What about being in pursuit of the wrong thing? The Bible tells us that there is a, I'm going to call it in Jesus' cabinet, since I used president before. In Jesus' cabinet, you know, his disciple group, there was a, a, a man named Judas. And Judas, in pursuit of the wrong thing, guess what he did? He made an arrangement with the people who wanted to take Jesus out to betray Jesus. He made a pact to betray Jesus. Notice this in Matthew 26. Easy to read version, verses 14 through 16. Then one of the 12 followers went to talk to the leading priests. This was the follower named Judas Iscariot. He said, I will hand Jesus over to you. What will you pay me for doing this? The priests gave him 30 silver coins. After that, Judas waited for the best time to hand Jesus over to them. Pause. Jews Judas is betraying Jesus because he's in pursuit of the wrong thing. He's in pursuit of financial gain. He's in pursuit of you know, unrighteous mammon. He's in pursuit of wicked revenue. And in doing that, he is betraying a person who has only ever loved him. Have you ever betrayed or hurt a loved one or a friend because you were in the pursuit of the wrong thing? Back then, have you ever betrayed your spouse or your family because you were in pursuit of wealth, in pursuit of that career, in pursuit of that job? So it became primary, and it, in effect, got you to push your family to the side. It doesn't have to be financial. The bottom line is, have you ever pursued something at the expense of betraying other people, but in particular, others who only ever loved you? Have you ever wanted to be so much in the in crowd that that friend who has always been a true friend to you got kicked to the curb and you decided you want to run with this crowd because they could get you somewhere and left that friend broken? You were that person then, though. You put yourself in the position because you were in pursuit of those things then. 
you were chasing after something. In effect, you were eating bitter fruit. But you didn't know at the time. It looked right at the time. It's the mindset you had at the time. What happens to my man Judas? Give me Matthew 27. Easy to read still, verses 1 through 5. Early the next morning, all the leading priests and the old leaders and the older leaders of the people met and decided to kill Jesus. They tied him, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Judas saw that they had decided to kill Jesus. Jesus. He was the one who had handed, them, handed him over. When he saw what happened, he was very sorry for what he had done. Pause. When you look back over your life and you look back at that mistake, you are truly sorry for what you had done. And that feeling adds weight. And that feeling haunts. But he was very sorry for what he had done. So he took the 30 silver coins back to the priests and the older leaders. Judas said, I sinned. I handed over to you an innocent man to be killed. The Jewish leaders answered, we don't care. That's a problem for you, not us. That is a message for another day. But once again, it goes in the line of if I was you. How quickly someone will put you and agree with you behind doors to do something when it comes down to paying the piper, you on your own. But put that in the kitty for later. The Jewish leaders answered, we don't care. That's a problem for you, not us. So Judas threw the money into the temple. Then he went out from there and hanged himself. I thank God, I thank God that none of you have taken your own life under the pressure of the weight of past mistakes. And I'm going to say right now, if that is you, if that's even a contemplation, I'm just being led to, don't do it. You have value. God has something for you still. Doesn't matter where you are. With God, you can make it. But figuratively speaking, many of us walk around with self-condemnation. And you know what you're doing? Even though you're standing and you're breathing, every waking hour of the day, you're committing suicide. You're hanging yourself. You're punishing yourself. You, you, are, you are putting yourself to death daily and not in the good way that the Bible says you should put the flesh to death and bring on more of Christ. No, you are putting yourself, you are crucifying yourself daily because of what you did. You're hanging yourself for what you did, but you did what you did when you did it because you were who you were then. 
You're not that person anymore. You are now in Christ. If you have something that is causing you to get up every day, and even though you walk and you hug your kids and you say hey to people at work and you're running your business and it's looking to be so successful, but on the inside you're carrying the weight that self-condemnation because of something that you did and you're crucifying yourself on the daily, I don't care what it is, forgive yourself. He was very sorry. The fact that you're sorry about it says that your heart's right. Sometimes the pursuit of the wrong things can get you to drink salty water and eat sour fruit. But when you do it and you reflect on it, you realize that you are grabbing fruit from the wrong tree. Don't let that mistake, though, be the thing that anchors you in the, future, in the present and keeps you from the future. You have to forgive yourself if you're going to move forward. That was then, but this is now. We're going to take a moment, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. It's going to be something pretty, pretty quick and pretty abbreviated, but it's important. Ms. Emerald, come here, come here, please. There's a microphone over there. Get that microphone and turn it on. Family on the chair. Family, there is, I don't know if it's all of us, but there is some of us who are walking around with weights. And that weight is rooted in a fruit you ate that you shouldn't have ate. But if the truth be told, you didn't know it was a bad fruit. The tree looked good. Even when you held the fruit in your hand, it looked ripe enough. It didn't look bad. It wasn't until you actually bit into it that you realized it was bad fruit. And to this day, you regret it. and you carry it. But God wants you free from that. You have to let it go. I'm going to ask you to pray. I want you to pray in regards to people letting go of mistakes that they innocently made. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to present myself to you. And I thank you for each and every person that is here today, Lord. I thank you that their hearts are open, 
that their mouth, that their body is pure. And I thank you, Lord, that you give me this opportunity to present myself. And first, I ask for forgiveness for myself, Lord, for anything that I've had committed to me. And Lord, I thank you that I'm humble enough to be open, to be boastful enough, to be confident in who you are. Lord, I thank you that as every person hear the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, that they know that they are loved and that you have created them in wholeness, in total completeness. I thank you that you forgive us for everything that we have done. I thank you that we are equipped. We are equipped because the word says that if we abide in it, it will come to life. And we thank you for the life you have given us today. We thank you that the life that you give us is one that we are shown that we have the comfort, we have the peace, we have joy, and we have strength, Lord, that we are strong, that we are courageous, Lord, and we walk daily into your obedience because of who you are to us in our lives. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you love us so much, Lord, that you walk with us, Lord, that you talk with us, Lord, that you hear everything that we say, even if we don't say it boldly, Lord, you are there with us, guiding us and leading us, Lord. Lord, in all our truths. Lord, I thank you that we are better because of the word that was presented today, that we are better because we hear and we honor you in everything that we do. We thank you for those that are here, Lord, that may not publicly say that they forgive themselves, Lord, but I thank you, Lord, that you have forgiven us and you will continue to forgive us as long as we confess it with our mouths and we believe it in our hearts because your word is true, Lord. Lord, I thank you for your guidance, Lord. I thank you that you guide us everywhere we go. Lord, I thank you that you are humbling us to be able to know that it doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Today is a new day, and we have a new beginnings, and we have new opportunities that are presented to us. And I thank you, Lord, that we walk by faith, Lord. Faith, Lord. I thank you that we walk by faith, Lord. I thank you that we walk by faith, Lord. Amen. I thank you that we believe you, Lord, for this word. I thank you, Lord, that we walk by faith, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we walk by faith, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you forgive us today for all of our sins, the good sins, Lord, anything that we think is not good, anything that is bad, Lord, I thank you that you forgive us, Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that we will leave out of here today better because of this word, better because we believe the word is true and everything that is inside of it, Lord. I thank you that you bless us, Lord, and I thank you that you continue to give us strength and every new opportunity to walk forward and never looking backwards for any mistakes that we have made because those mistakes that we have made have made us better because of the experience. And I thank you, Lord, that you love us, and I honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to stay here with me. Now, you can give that to him. Now, first of all, thank you for that prayer. You're just here with me, okay? You're just here with me. Why is it so important that we forgive ourselves. Because if you are carrying condemnation, you are not going to be free to be in this earth everything that God has called you to be. You won't be. And now here is something else. In her prayer, she says something very key that the experiences have made us who we are. That goes positive and negative. I have been talking about the negative side, but there is, the Bible says, as a believer, 
all things work together for the good. In your experiences, if you offer those experiences up to God, he will use them to create something in this earth through you that you've never imagined. I'll give you a quick example. There are people who have been hurt deeply by some experience. And as long as they carry that as condemnation, they don't share it. They don't want people to know. They keep it bottled up inside. But when they truly give their heart to God and they realize they're no longer condemned, and they allow God to take that experience and unlock others who are bound by the same thing, they blossom. And as they blossom, others are being not just set free, but made free. But it all starts with you saying, this thing that I'm kicking myself for, I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah, I wish I wouldn't have did it, but I'm not going to do it anymore. I should have done it better, but I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to. I'm not that person anymore. There's also a saying. There's also a saying that goes this way. If you fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. When you think through that, there is, there, is, there is truth to that that we can admit to each other. Take our salty water and bitter fruit example. You might not know the water is salt until you drink it. From a practical standpoint, that first sip is a mistake. Every other sip after that, though, that's really on you. You bite that fruit, that first, you know, that little bitter, you get that little thing, mm, that little tartness, that first bite, that's a mistake. But every other nibble after that, every bellyache you get, that's, that's on you. But here's the beauty, though, of what God wants us to do. Remember, I said some people have had mistakes. When you, had, when you grew up a certain way, not knowing any better, or you were just a certain kind of way at the time, you might have just kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And guess what? First time was a mistake. All these others, you really did it. But even when you look back on things you did purposefully, I bet you'll find if you are in Christ, you're not that person anymore. So don't let the devil try to tell you that that wasn't a mistake. You knew what you was doing. Just like we told you to tell condemnation to shove it. Feel free to tell the enemy or even any kind of other voice, even your own voice in your mind is, you know what? Yes, that person back then knew what they were doing. 
I'm not that person anymore. And being the person that you are now, you can look back on that person who did what they did back then and realize that if that person were wiser, that person would not have done what they done, what they did, however you say that grammatically correct. They wouldn't have did it. They wouldn't have done it. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One final thing we're going to do together. I want you to take your arms and hug yourself. And we're getting ready to say something to ourselves. And I want you to mean it. I'm going to tell we're going to, we're going to tell ourselves that we love ourselves. And we're going to tell ourselves that we forgive you. Did you know self-condemnation will put you in the position where you don't love yourself? Every time you look in the mirror, the person that you see is someone that you despise. That is no way to live. We're talking about re-engage. And when we re-engage life, we're not bringing that self-condemnation with us. It stays where the mistake lives that's in the past. All right. Close those eyes. Hug yourself. Say, I love you. And I forgive you. How does that feel? How does that feel? One more time. I, I love, love you, you and I, and I forgive, forgive you. you. Mm. Let that resonate. One more time for good measure. I, I love, love you, you and I, I forgive, forgive you. You can release yourself from that embrace. But you can do that anytime you want. Anytime you want. Anytime you want. We're closing with a statement. And that statement, I'm going to tell you what it is kind of been, I guess you call it in the third person or however it's read, but then we're going to say it using the word I. God says, she said to me, because you ate that bad fruit then, 
do not condemn yourself as being a bad person now. One more time. Because you ate that bad fruit then, do not condemn yourself as being a bad person now. Now here we go, we're gonna switch it up and I want you to say this with me. Say, because I ate, that bad fruit then, I will not condemn myself as being a bad person now. Loved ones, that's all God has for us today. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we are aware that the Bible tells us that we, we can have some imperfect moments because we are imperfect people. The beauty of being in Christ, though, and having the Holy Spirit live on the inside of us is that we have the opportunity to walk this life as better people. We were not mistake-free when we came to Christ. And odds are we will not be mistake-free even while Christ lives on the inside of us. But being in Christ means we have been given the opportunity to not live under the low-lowing dark black cloud of condemnation. <clears throat> Give us the willingness and put in us the commitment to not just put away self-condemnation, but to completely flush it out of our lives. Oh, we will remember the person we were. We will, we, we will remember the things we did. We will remember what we said. We will remember how we acted. But being in you, give us the conviction to rest in the fact, in the truth that once we are in Christ, we are new. We have the opportunity to do better, to act better, to talk better, to interact with people better, to treat our, treat our loved ones better, to do things better. And we lay hold on that opportunity as the treasure that it is, and we will not let it go. We embrace ourselves. We love ourselves. We forgive ourselves. And we prepare to walk into the new better life with the new, better us in it.
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.